welcome to the ministries of the Bohomi Baptist Church, where we worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness, fair before Him in all the earth. And the pastor is Reverend Nelson. Be blessed by the sermon that you're about to hear. Bibles again today. I'd like to revisit that portion of scripture in James chapter 4 where we were last week. Reading from verse 13 through verse 17. Go to now, you that say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For that you ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. But now you rejoice in your boastings. All such rejoicing is evil. Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Amen. I entitled this message, The Fallacy of Self-Sufficiency. The Fallacy of Self-Sufficiency. We concluded from scripture that man is a very frail creation, subject to all sort of maladies and even death. Yet, despite his frailty and the uncertainty of life, man still goes about his affair, acting, behaving as if he controls his fate. As a matter of fact, this is part of the teaching of humanism, that man is his own king, that he controls his fate and he determines his future and Anything other than that is not accepted. But we are concluding, or we have concluded from Scripture, that self-sufficiency, the idea of it, is really a fallacy. Self-sufficiency, we say, it's planning without God, first of all. And we looked at this man that the Bible points out here, and we said the concern was not so much the man's occupation, what he was doing, that he was traveling to other city and buy and sell and continue and a year, the Bible says, and make money. There was nothing wrong with that. That was not what, amen, was the focus. The focus was that this man did not include God. 
in his planning. He went about as if he determines everything by himself. And he has his plan, the dates and everything as to what he was going to achieve. So there was nothing wrong with his plan, really. And we say that as Christians sometimes, we don't plan enough. And, and that causes us at times to fail in some of the things that we do because we lack proper planning. Uh, we went about and just by, um, you know, uh, one, one, one lawyer said the seat of our pants. We, we uh, you know, just our emotion. We just get and we just go and without first analyzing the situation and plan for the unseen things that might pop up along the way that can derail us. So there is nothing wrong, and we put it in the affirmative last week, and said there is everything right with planning that we are to plan. As a matter of fact, if we fail to plan, we have already planned to fail. So he was not talking about the fact that this man had an ambition to go to travel and to buy and to sell and to make money, but was that this man's plan did not include God. So we said self-sufficiency, first of all, is planning without God. The second thing we said about self-sufficiency is that self-sufficiency is failure to recognize the uncertainty of life. The scripture says, what is your life? It is even like a vapor that appears for a little while and then it vanishes away. It disappears. We established that once we were born, the next major event in our lives is that we will die. If we live long enough, we are going to die. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's an oxymoron, that statement, because whether we live long enough or not, we are going to die. That's just something that is certain. Americans usually say there are two things that are certain, that death and taxes. But uh, over this period, we have come to learn that that is not really true. Taxes is not certain because not everybody that pays taxes. No, no, it's not everybody. A certain group pay taxes. But death is certain. Bible said death is passed of an old man for that all have sinned. So death is certain. So life in and of itself is uncertain. We do not know what is going to happen the next moment from now. So as human beings, we live in the moment. Amen. Because this is that period that we can see. This is that period that we have control of. So we, 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 we established, to some degree may I add, we established those two things 
last week, but we didn't get to move further. So today, I want to, by God's help, cover the other three steps. A self-sufficiency is failure in the third place to acknowledge God. Mm. Self-sufficiency is failure to acknowledge God. You know the judgment that Romans talk about on the ungodly is that when they knew God, they did not acknowledge him as God. But they credit the idea to some wooden creature or some graven image. They did not acknowledge him as the supreme Lord and master of the universe. Self-sufficiency is failure to acknowledge God. If we think carefully, as human beings... We should acknowledge God in everything that we do. Think about it. Everything that we do, we should acknowledge God. But most people go about their lives living and just doing without any concern as to what God would have them to do in that particular situation. And I am putting it to us today that there are Christians who are falling in this trap. Say, I am my own man. I am my own woman. I do whatever I want. No, you're not. If you are saved, the Bible says you belong to Jesus. You are God's possession if you are saved. So we are not our own to do whatever we want to do. We are to acknowledge God so that he would direct us in doing what we need to do. Oh, Lord. Man is dependent upon God, first of all, for life. Hmm. He should say, the Bible says, if the Lord will, I shall live. Now I was meditating on this thought today, earlier this morning, that God controls life. And sometimes as Christians, and I'm speaking specifically to us, that sometimes we allow fear to take hold of us because of what man might do. There is a whole lot of concern about Russia's move toward Ukraine and there are people who are fearful about the outcome and Christians are taking over in that as well in becoming fearful. But when we pause to think that it is God who controls 
life, we would realize that there is no reason for us to be afraid. Ah. Because the greatest man, the most powerful man that you can think of, he is alive because God wants him to be. Hmm. Mr. Putin is alive because God wants him to be. Think about it for a moment. If God does not want him to be alive, that's it. He just take his breath and he's no more. God controls life. So we are alive because God wants us to be. And sometimes we allow ourselves as children of God to be so fearful. The Bible time and time again says to us, be not afraid. Don't be afraid. For our God is in control. So God controls life. That he determines whether or not a person lives. Because it's his life. Call it what you may, but you just take it as his. But as we look at happenings, brothers and sisters, all around the world, we have to remind ourselves that God has a plan. And it doesn't matter how shady or rough or difficult it might look. From our perspective, God is working out all of those things to fit into his plan. And so it is for us to draw near to him. Can I get an amen? And to walk in holiness before him. To rededicate our lives to him. Because God is in control of life. Man is dependent upon God for life. Not only is he the giver, but he's also the sustainer. If he chooses not to sustain life, then that's it. So we are here because God wants us to be here. So we ought to say, if the Lord will, then I will do this, or I will do that. Again, it does not by any means suggest that we ought not to plan. You'd always plan. But God is to be center of our plan. Because it is if the Lord wills. Because the least little thing can pop up and disrupt our plans and throw us off. And mess us up. Amen. Man is dependent on God for life. What the Bible also says to us in this particular verse. Is that man is dependent on God for what he does. For we ought to say. 
If the Lord will, I shall do this or that. If the Lord will, first of all, I'm going to live. And if the Lord wills, I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that. Mm. Because we know that many things can happen to prevent us from doing this and that. Get somebody saying, many things can happen. So we ought to say, if the Lord will. That's why the Bible says to us that we are to acknowledge God in all of our ways. Christian believers, we are to acknowledge God in all of our ways because only then we are assured that he will direct our path when we acknowledge him in everything that we do. Paul the Apostle, on his missionary journey when he was about to leave the brethren at Ephesus he said as he bid them farewell he said I must by all means keep the feast that cometh in Jerusalem but I will return again unto you if God will and the Bible said when he said that he sailed from Ephesus in writing to the Corinthians, he said, But I will come again to you shortly, if the Lord will. And then later in Corinthians again, he said, For I will not see you now, by the way, but I trust to tarry a while with you, if the Lord will. So he acknowledged that if God does not will it, then it's not going to come to pass. So this is where the teaching of scripture come in, comes in with God's permissive will and God's perfect will. That if he does not permit it, it's not going to happen. It's if the Lord wills. So man is dependent on God for what he does. Now we see some people as they live, you, you, you can't tell them that God has anything to do with what they achieve. And they will tell you point blank that God didn't give them anything. Yes, we have those ungodly people who see life from that perspective. That they have to work for everything they want. And everything they have. And nobody gave them anything. But it is God. Who gives the strength. It is God who gives the life. It is God who gives the ability. Am I talking to somebody? It is God. And may I also say that. In addition to God giving life and ability, God also put people in places to help us. Oh, you don't know that? Oh, yes. 
Yes, God has people in places that grants favor to his children. I, I remember I remember this uh, uh, sitcom and my favorite Archie Bunker. Look at it and laugh. And when Archie was boasting, so he had to work so hard for everything. Nobody ever gave him, nobody ever helped him. He did say, it's true, Archie. Once your uncle gets you that job done at the loading dock, you'll never look back. <laughs> nobody gets anywhere without somebody helping them. For no man is an island, no man stands alone. Everybody, God has placed somebody. You know, sometimes when I, when I look back and look at how God placed some people in some places to bless me that I don't even know about. But God placed them there. And it's after the blessing then, I would realize, oh, it was this person who was behind it. That God placed him there. Oh, Lord. So, man is dependent on God for life. But not only life. Man is dependent on God for what he does. So, the Bible says, we ought to say, if the Lord wills, we are going to live. And as a result of living, we are going to do this. Or we are going to do that. If the Lord wills. You, you know many, many of us Christians. And uh, we find ourselves in, 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 you know, in the situation from time to time. We want to do something and we get so excited about it. And we plan it out. And man I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And... Uh, just when we're getting ready to start launching it, we start praying and asking God to help us. But the truth is, we didn't involve him in the planning. And if we had involved him, it's possible that he would have directed us another way. And said so the idea is good, the idea is great, but this is a better way to do it. And so many of the pitfalls that we encounter in life could have been avoided. Or would have been avoided had we consulted him. But many of us, we, we plan and we decide we are going to do this and man, we get all excited. Lord, we ask God to bless it. Bless it. But then it was not according to his will. And so he cannot bless it. Mm. Then we struggle and we struggle and we struggle until everything fails. Whereas if we had consulted him at first, he would have directed us. So I said, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will, what? Direct your path. The Bible says, delight yourself in him. 
Take pleasure in him. And he's going to give you the desire of your heart. We, we are to acknowledge God as it relates to life, that he is the giver of life. But then we also need to acknowledge him in whatever we do, that God is the one who allows us to accomplish the things that we accomplished. So James went on to say, that this is boasting. And so we concluded on this fourth point, or moved to this fourth point, that self-sufficiency is boasting. It's bragging. It's arrogance. The word boasting here really means an empty boaster. That there is no substance to it. A person who boasts about something he thinks he has, but he does not really have it. Just in his mind. James says, this boasting is evil. You make this big thing, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. But God is not involved in it and you big up yourself as the saying goes. The Bible says, this boasting is evil. Understanding here again, brother, sister, the Bible is not speaking against success, not against diligence, not against thoughtful planning. But what it is addressing is people going about without consulting God. Living one's life without consulting God. Planning and going about and boasting without God being involved. The Bible, I think it was David, he said he will boast. But he said, my soul shall make a boast in the Lord. That's how he's going to boast. My soul shall make a boast in the Lord. Not in what God has allowed me to acquire in this life. Because those things disappear. Am I talking to us? It's good to have them good to have financial peace but understand this brother sister those things are by themselves they're empty because we have them today and tomorrow we don't have them again or we might even have them but can't enjoy them oh lord can't even eat can't even enjoy a meal. Am I, am I still speaking to us? That these things are important. These things are necessary for life. 
but we are not to be boasting in them. For the Bible says to us Christians or humanity in general, the proverb says, if riches increase, don't set your heart on it because riches take wings and they fly. And so you have it this time, but next time around, it's gone. And, and you know, I have lived on my few years here, and thank God. And I say, I've lived, people say, oh man, it's lived. But I have lived. Amen. And I've seen people, one point in their lives, it's as if they own the world. That's how they behave. And not that they didn't have, but they had. But then they pass on and the next generation come and there really is nothing. Things disappear and you wonder what really happened. You wonder. Seeing well-to-do families have a lot of things, I mean, material possession. And after they're gone, and the children come in and take over, there really is nothing. Riches take wings, and they fly, especially the ones that come quickly. It comes quickly, it goes quickly. Am I still talking to us today? Bible said, don't trust in those things. They are not reliable. Don't trust in them. They're here for a moment and you might be able to enjoy them for a little while, but then they're gone. Don't trust in them. Self-sufficiency is boasting. Boasting about what one has achieved, about what one can do. And I am not like this person, and I am ahead of that person, and I am this. The Bible tells us that we are not to compare ourselves with ourselves. That if we do, we are not wise. And, 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 and I segue into this, this thought for a moment. In an, an assembly where people compare themselves with one another, especially in the spiritual realm, that person who is doing the comparison or the comparing never compare themselves with somebody who is more advanced spiritually. Am I making sense? I hope I am. They always compare themselves with the person who is struggling along to conclude to themselves, within themselves, that hey, I am not too, too bad because that person there is worse than I am. That person there is living worse than I'm living. 
So I am not too bad. That person is doing that. Or that person is doing this. So I can do this and I'm not too bad. The Bible says if we compare ourselves with ourselves, we are not wise. Hmm. We are to look unto Jesus, who is our perfect example, and find in his word what he requires of us. Am I talking to somebody? And that we set our hearts on doing what the Lord requires of us so that we can be acceptable to him. Because the truth of the matter is he has the final say. And it is what he says that really matters. So as human beings, we have this tendency to want to compare ourselves with ourselves. And we never compare ourselves spiritually with the person who is forging ahead. We compare ourselves with the person who is struggling along. So that we can then conclude that we are not too, too bad. Because there is somebody who is less than us as we would want to term it or phrase it. Mm. The Bible is teaching here about planning without God. The Bible says that such planning is evil, it's boasting. Jesus, in Luke 12, speak of a man. The Bible says, reading from verse 16, And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully, and he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, This I will do. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, so thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then when shall these things be? which thou hast provided. And Jesus brings the message home by saying, So is he that laid up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Uh, this writer says, Only when a man realizes his own poverty in the things that matter, Will he pray for the riches of God's grace? Only when a man comes to that place where he realizes his poverty when it comes to spiritual things, will he begin to pray 
for the riches of God's grace. Self-sufficiency is boasting. The Bible says, last of all, that self-sufficiency is sin. The Bible says, such boasting is evil. Therefore, to him that knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. This is a very simple definition of sin. Knowing to do good and fail to do it. When a man plans today and tomorrow, and he goes into the city or when he continues in the city, when he buys and sells, when he gets gain, when he has all these ideas and these planning, he needs to consult God to hear what God's verdict is on it and to see how God would have him to proceed. But that's not the ordinary person. Ordinary man just goes about his affair. But the challenge is that there are Christians who are following the way of the world when it comes to their planning. And they are planning and not consulting God. And God wants us to understand that self-sufficiency is evil. God wants us to be dependent on him. God wants us to show our reliability, our total dependence, that God, you are my all in all. My mind was just kind of floating a few weeks, days ago, and I was thinking about the thought, when we said to God, there is no other one that I can turn to. And I'm trying to broaden it and look at it. And forgive me, probably this was just a thought that I should have kept with myself. But the question that I begin to ask, what if there was another? It would then mean that God you would be out there, but I am coming to you because there is not enough. Well, think about that one. Let that one digest. God wants us to come to him. The God, you are my all in all. And although I have choices, I choose you because you have chosen me. Am I talking to somebody? I have choices. I could have chosen other things. But God, I choose you because you have chosen me. Yes, a deliberate act of my will. God, I choose you because you choose me. Hmm. And I believe that these are the choices that we have to make on a daily basis if we're going to serve the Lord. Because they are things that present themselves. And sometimes I submit to us, brother, sister, 
that they look real enticing. They look real good. But as we begin to examine them, we understand that they are outside of God's will. And if they are outside of God's will, then we cannot go and do and then ask God to bless it. Because we have already gotten his verdict on it. Am I, am I saying something to us? That God does not approve it. It's outside of his plan, outside of his will. And so we don't go and get ourselves involved and then ask God to bless it. That's a no-no. Hmm. That's a no-no. If God's word says God abhorred, God rejected that, we need to reject it also. Don't go and embrace it and then ask God to bless it. For the Bible has already told us that this is something that he rejects. So we ought to be wise. Oh Lord. We ought to be wise. Can somebody say amen? We ought to be wise. And pray that God directs our choice. That we make the right choices in the things that we do for the glory of Almighty God. So the fallacy of self-sufficiency is revealed to us. Self-sufficiency is planning without God. Self-sufficiency is failure to recognize the uncertainty of life. Self-sufficiency is failure to acknowledge God. James says that self-sufficiency is boasting, it's bragging, and it's arrogance. And then he concludes by saying to us that self-sufficiency is sin. And so for us believers, those of us who have surrendered our lives to the Lord Jesus Christ, acknowledging that he died in our place, that we have identified ourselves with him by receiving him in our hearts as our personal Savior and our Lord, that as we live from day to day, we have to live a life of total dependence on God. Father, not my will, but your will be done. And that before we go all in into anything, we find out what God's verdict is, first of all, and what God would have us to do in this matter, how he would want us to approach it. The Bible tells us that in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. And there is no counselor as great as our God. Amen. We need his advice. We need his direction. We need his help. So in conclusion, this story, this story that James talks about here, this man, it's not condemning the man's ingenuity. It's not condemning the man's ambition, the man's uh, you know, desire to do, and man's uh, overall goal. But what he's pointing out is the man's attitude of planning without God. Making all the plans, 
what he's going to do and how he's going to do it. But he failed to acknowledge God in the midst of it. May this never be true of us as believers. May we always see God's direction, see God's face, and not leaning on our own understanding, but acknowledging Him in everything that we do so that He can direct our path. Because it is then that our way is going to be prosperous when the Lord directs us. Hallelujah. Amen. There might be somebody listening to this message today. You have not yet fully surrendered to the Lord. You have not surrendered your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Bible says, today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. If you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. It might be that somebody hearing this message has started out with the Lord. And you carry on with the Lord. But you also acknowledge that you have made a lot of decisions without God's approval. And you are saying, as of today, I'm going to seek God in everything that I do. May the Lord help us. May the Lord help you. Amen. To resolve in your heart that you're going to put him first in everything. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we again say thank you. Thank you for your grace, your mercy. Thank you for your loving kindness, O oh God. Lord, as we bow before you at this time, we thank you for your word. Thank you for speaking to our hearts. I pray that your word would find a lodging places in our hearts that, O oh God, we all would digest the word and we would allow our lives to be conformed to your word so that we can please you in whatever we do. There might be somebody listening to this message who have not yet trusted you as Savior. I pray that even today, Lord, you would help them to understand that today is the day of salvation and now is the accepted time. Speak to hearts, speak to lives, strengthen and encourage somebody today, O oh Lord, to carry on, to serve you in spirit and in truth. Thank you and praise you, O oh God, in Jesus' name. We just want to thank you for listening to today's sermon here at the Bavoni Baptist Church, where sharing Christ is every Christian's business. So as we depart, go and serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords.